This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by American Fidelity. Leaders in the public sector are often required to wear many hats. Your human resources supervisor may also be the payroll specialist, the hiring manager, and your benefits administrator. Creating a significant plan likely isn't at the top of their list. With an employee's demographic varying from street maintenance worker to firefighters to office employees, how do you create a benefits plan that meets all of their unique needs? Acting as an extension of your HR department, American Fidelity can help. We specialize in public sector industry products like group and individual life, health and annuity services, as well as other financial security products and services. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Good morning and welcome to this edition of AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM. Joining me today is Alex Hall. Alex is an artist and muralist from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and was the consultant who brought to life the Make It Your Own Mural Fest in Northeast Indiana, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. You bet. Um, so before we dive into the Mural Fest, um, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell everyone about yourself because our audience is mostly municipal officials from all around the state. So you're probably very well known in Northeast Indiana, but introduce yourself to the rest of the state. Sure. As you mentioned, I work quite a lot with the municipalities up here in Northeast Indiana, but uh, I started my career as a muralist, illustrator, and fine artist. I do a lot of studio painting still. And I eventually bridged the gap into trying to advocate for and bring more public art into downtown Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I worked with the downtown improvement district here on that project. And we built a mural program and public art program called Art This Way. And I've been doing that now for about five years. And it's slowly become something that I do in addition to, and sometimes more than, painting. Uh, So I went from being a full-time artist to kind of doing a lot of this consulting work on the side, and now I would say that I'm probably doing more consulting work than I am painting, uh, but both bring me a lot of joy, and I'm also just very pleased to see uh, all of this creativity really blossoming in Northeast Indiana as a result of just basically an artist stepping in and advocating for public art. Yeah, we do feature a lot of projects on our podcast and in our terminal, which is um, a place where we write stories about quality of place projects across Indiana. And we've featured a lot of Northeast Indiana art projects, which is really exciting to see. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the Mural Fest. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Tell everyone how, you know, what was the inspiration and how did this come to life? So actually, uh, I was asked by the Northeast Indiana Regional Partnership to look at a quality of place initiative that would involve uh, the Make It Your Own brand, which is something that they are trying to uh, push throughout the region to kind of encourage uh, people who live here uh, to realize that this 
a place where you can uh, basically achieve a different level of potential, model this to a region that fits for you. And also outside, uh, we wanted to, this as a talent attraction brand. Uh, so when they approached me, uh, I knew that their footprint was 11 counties. And uh, so it made sense to do at least one project in each county. Mm -hmm. And from there, uh, we kind of went into the conversation of what it might look like to do all of these projects all at once in a region-wide initiative, which would require a lot of collaboration. Uh, but at the end of the day, we did land on that 11 counties, uh, 11 days, 11 murals concept. And uh, that was the beginnings of the Make It Your Own Mural Fest. Well, talk about the logistics. So you decided what to do and what the, the overarching goal was. Um, talk a little bit about the logistics. How, how do you do that? How do you reach out to the artist community? How do you decide where the murals will go? Oh, all the logistics. So it's a super exciting process and, and one that I had some background in doing uh, from building the Art This Way program in downtown Fort Wayne. I had an idea of what property owner concerns might be. Uh, I had an awareness of uh, what it looks like to basically liaison and, and, and juggle all of these components, right? You're, you're looking funding, you're looking uh, for an artist, you're also looking to iron out an artist concept work, uh, and then uh, making sure that you have property locations and property owners who are willing to host this artwork. So, so I knew uh, an idea of all of how to make these pieces fit together and, and work, um, but we were really lucky in the Northeast Indian Regional Partnerships uh, network. They already had really strong ties to each of these counties and doers in each of these counties. And so we were able to build committees uh, in each county that would basically help with some of the on-the-ground logistical tasks. Uh, they have relationships already with a lot of the property owners, which help to um, make it an easier process rather than just me showing up a stranger that doesn't belong in their community or isn't from their community uh, to um, somebody who friend or a neighborhood um, advocate already uh, and made that process simpler. And then as far as the artist reach out component, again, I, I've been programming public art in, in our region long enough that I had a pretty good grasp on who our regional muralists were, uh, that, that bucket of people who have the ability to do pieces of this scale, because we were asking for a 2,000 square foot mural, which is a little bit larger than a lot of opportunities. Uh, so I had that and that in my pocket already. And then uh, we also did this international call out because we were interested in seeing a diverse group of people uh, that maybe already are doing this all over the world. And they bring with them uh, obviously a lot of skill and then uh, a brand. And we also wanted to see that networking ability where we would have a muralist uh, who's doing work all over the world meet with one of our local muralists and potentially they could collaborate in the future or uh, that would help our muralists here to spread out and do more outside of our region. That's really exciting. Um, how start to finish. So when I was looking at the website, which is really impressive, um, how, start to finish, how long did this take? Because when you're talking about the subcommittees and such international out outreach, it seems to me you were able to do it pretty quickly. We we had an ambitious timeline. Uh, so our 
initial meetings to develop this project started in July of 2019. And really, uh, we were having those official meetings with each subcommittee by October or November. Um, and we had some pretty solid benchmarks and, and one that had decided to buy into this concept, uh, including all those subcommittees. Uh, they all were aware of these tight deadlines that we had to achieve. Uh, that's not to say that we didn't have some that didn't end up going on schedule, uh, but that is the nature of anything like this. But in general, uh, we we knew that we were trying to achieve something in a very short amount of time, and we executed on it. And um, what about funding? You know, that's always a key component of any major project, especially when you're talking about something that involves 11 counties. How, how did the funding work? So uh, again, it was so wonderful to work with economic development organization that already had strong ties to all of the businesses within the footprint of those 11 counties. So uh, we found quite a few sponsors who share a similar footprint. Uh, we had uh, some companies that uh, are actually outside of the Allen County area, but who wanted to be part of this because they saw the potential for their own growth and their brand being um, spread out throughout that region. Uh, so really ultimately, although it was also a struggle, uh, it worked out in a way that we had about 60% of our funding came from corporate sponsors who saw benefit uh, in not only um, supporting the arts, but also in being a company that uh, is trying to attract skilled talent. And so they understand that this is one of those many building blocks, that idea that you would have a quality of place project that would help them to bring in the talent that they need to continue to expand and grow. And um, let's see, how, if, how can I say this? So this obviously is very, um, specific to Northeast Indiana, like you've mentioned, you had the framework um, in place with the Northeast Indiana partnership. Um, but if you're a community uh, that wants to do something similar, either just in their city or town or with their region, like what advice would you give them? Just, uh, so it is a lot of work. And uh, I think that it's, something that on the surface, some people don't understand the administrative tasks that are required of someone who's facilitating public art. Mm -hmm. uh, to a lot of people, this seems like a very simple, it's just paint on a wall, like how hard could it be? But there, there are so many uh, moving pieces to this, so many things that do need to fit into uh, the timeline and, and everyone needs to be fully on board to make this happen. I will say that most mural festivals are organized in one place. So this is a complete twist on that concept. So if you're doing it in one place, you're already taking on a lot less work. <laughs> so, uh, there is that. Uh, so you've already made it easier. Uh, and uh, another thing is uh, the education component, I would say, is really difficult because not every community that we work with had ever had public art in the sense of what we were doing. They'd had maybe um, plywood boards attached to a building uh, with very historic murals. Uh, and we were really turning that concept on its head for them because we were saying we want to paint directly on your wall and we want it to be bigger as big as you know the building mm -hmm. uh, itself, uh, and and these things uh, were an education process 
to uh, get from, we can paint something other than our historic courthouse and then attach that next to the historic courthouse. Uh, we can actually do something that's just really cool art. Uh, we still wanted it to say something about our community or region or that county specifically. Um, but it wasn't what some of these communities had ever seen before. So it did take quite a lot of time and effort in just educating uh, those communities. What would you say, I mean, I think I have an idea based upon some of the things you said, but what would you say um, you would do differently if you had it to do over again? Because that's something other communities can learn from going forward. We had so many great partners uh, and a lot of the things that that didn't go well weren't something anyone could have controlled. Um, we had things like paint shortages because of the fact that there was a pandemic going on. Uh, so surprisingly, uh, a lot of our spray paint product of the higher quality that is used for murals uh, was made in uh, Spain and Germany and we were having shipping delays. Uh, so we had color schemes that we had already gotten approved, designs that were already approved by every single party. I mean, there's a lot of people involved and we would have to approach a property owner with changes, uh, not because of anything that we did. It was, we just didn't have that color. Right. Uh, so <laughs> things like that were, were outside of our control. Um, I, I think the aggressive timeline was something else that we, we knew that this was something we wanted to do uh, and it just worked out that it wasn't a conversation that we'd had two years running. It was something that we um, really only had about a year to plan. And again, I would recommend, uh, especially for the first time, maybe uh, two years before, really starting to put in place all of these uh, ideas and solidifying those interested property owners, um, maybe long before even announcing the uh, event to the public or call for artists because it, it will just save some heartache and some time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm really intrigued by the international component that you mentioned. So you put out the, um, you put the call out. How was that received? How many international artists did you bring in? Yeah, quite a few. A lot of them, uh, again, because of the pandemic, we unfortunately had to pivot because when we first started the open call in February of 2020, we weren't aware of the longevity of what, what we saw. You know, I mean, this was something that no one expected, no one predicted. I would have invested in Zoom stock, you know. <laughs> but I, I uh, found that we had quite a lot of interested parties uh, after people started to settle down and realize what this pandemic was going to look like. Uh, there was a lot of concern initially about travel, uh, whether or not people would be able to even go state to state. Uh, so there were some delays in applications because of that. Uh, but once things began to look more clear and there was an understanding that we would just all have to be very careful and we would be putting all of these um, protocols in place to ensure the artist safety. We eliminated all the events again to ensure the artist safety and the safety of anyone who was there. Uh, basically all of that really made it more appealing and at a time when a lot of artists were hurting we were still able to offer a financial opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think in a non-pandemic year, we would have seen a lot more competitive process, uh, but it was still 
very competitive process. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So we're on a podcast and, you know, most folks are probably listening in their car or at their desk while they're multitasking. So it's hard to visualize some of the things you're talking about. So I, I gave you this question in advance so you could think about it a little bit. Uh, describe some of these murals to folks that aren't looking at them. Maybe pick your favorites and, and describe that so they can visualize some of the things you're talking about. So I'll say I don't have any favorites. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot. I love all of them. I will, uh, though, tell you a little bit about how we landed on some of these themes and how they connect to each, each county. So uh, we have one mural that is a giant locomotive. Uh, and it's got some butterflies uh, intertwined within the smoke. So it still is a piece of fine art uh, and it's very beautifully done. It's by Rico Diamante, who is a, a local artist and it speaks to DeKalb County's ties to the railroad industry. Uh, so again, we tried to connect the artwork somehow to the area in which it was installed. Uh, in another county, uh, in Allen County, we have uh, three rivers that we are known for. They all intersect here, the St. Mary, St. Joe, and Mami. And we had the artists do an artistic interpretation of those three rivers connecting. Uh, it's actually in the form of three water nymph female characters who are all pouring water from uh, basically they look like pitchers made into fish. So uh, these different uh, stylized uh, pitchers. Uh, and so you have this like beautiful pink and orange and green uh, piece with some lily pads and ducks and swans and then these three water nymph women. So really most people when they see it have no idea that it's a tie to our three rivers. They just see it as this amazing work of art. And that was done by uh, Key Detail, who are out of Belarus. Uh, so they're now based in New York City, so they're able to travel uh, into Indiana to do this. Um, but had they been in Belarus, obviously we wouldn't have been able to bring them over. Um, so again, uh, things like that. Uh, there's a great piece by Jared Tobias uh, in Albion, uh, and it's a fox. So it's basically just telling the story of the, the natural wildlife that's in that area and in the whole region. Uh, so they run all over the place. Uh, a lot of them have nature themes. A lot of them go back to the agriculture that's here. Uh, it, it was just, it's really nice to see the diversity of works and the different styles. Uh, each one is very, very different. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, we will make sure to put a link on our website in the terminal. So at aimindiana.org, visit the terminal so that you can um, visit the Make It Your Own Mural website and see a photo of each of the murals. And hopefully everyone can get up to Northeast Indiana sometime and visit them in person. Before we close out today, um, I'd like to know if, you, I know it's early days, right? But have you have you been able to make any ties? So the goal was increasing the quality of place, a talent attraction driver as well. So have you seen any early results from the effort? So I, I have. So uh, we wanted to catalyze more public art. And we've seen three or four of the communities that art they're working on doing more this year and some of them even did more murals last year in conjunction with the mural fest so we basically gave them a toolkit to allow them to do this again in the future so uh, we're seeing more of those quality place projects happening 
And in a in a different sense, we've seen where uh, consistently mayors uh, and community leaders are speaking about the murals and the impact of those murals on pedestrian traffic and how the people that stop to take photos or visit the coffee shops and businesses nearby aren't from there. Uh, we had uh, Mayor Fiat from DeKalb County uh, mention that he's seen and talked to people from Ohio and Michigan. And these are just people who have gotten off that main roadway because they saw it and they're taking photos. Uh, and so he was just really thrilled with it. And uh, if nothing else, that tourism component is what we're already seeing for sure. Uh, that catalyzation of more art. And uh, I also have gotten some calls from out of state uh, organizations and, and municipalities who have seen the, the media and press around it and they're curious as to how they might do this as well. So I think if, if you're starting to see places in California and New York say, hey, that looks like something that might be nice for us to do, uh, it seems to be working. <laughs> yeah, what a great compliment and testament to the programs. That's that's exciting. And I think that it's also wonderful to see the artist community feel embraced and nurtured in Indiana so they don't feel like they have to go elsewhere to to exercise their talent, your talent. So that's no, it's true. I, I mean, I, I started doing what I'm doing because I was a creative and people always ask, why are you living in Indiana if you're a creative? Uh, and I knew that there wasn't really a visual representation of what I do at my downtown. And, and that lit a fire under me and I wanted to see that change. And here we are today. Uh, and hopefully we'll continue to see this region saturated with art and we will become uh, what creatives see as a good place to live and a place for them to establish themselves. Great. Well, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. We're going to follow this story and hopefully check in with you over uh, the next couple of years to see how everything evolves. I have a feeling there's a lot more in store for Northeast Indiana and the arts. I expect it. It's true. So, thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by American Fidelity.